Welcome back to Benamat's Marvelous Journey. This is an MCU podcast. This is episode 43 slash maybe the last one ever, probably. Uh, it is kind of... I mean, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's like all of Marvel 2023, but like that's the only really, really good thing from Marvel 2023. So it's going to be like 97% Guardians 3 and then a little bit of some other stuff. My name is Matt Waters. I'm the Matt half of Ben and Matt. Ben is the Ben half. Ben, say hello, Ben. Hi, I'm really confused right now. You're mm. talking like we're in 2023. But oh, you're going to do your joke now, aren't you? We're recording this in, in May 2020, which is when Guardians 3 has officially come out. You know? yeah, 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 James Gunn d- went in production on this as soon as he wrapped on Infinity War, and mm-hmm. that was like that, that. That's it. This is this is kind of the end of the MCU for now. Yeah, and then we'll see what they do. And like you know, we've we know like Black Widow and Eternals and stuff are coming out down the line. But like, mm. really excited for the big swings of those projects. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what what James Gunn gets to do with the the cosmic side of Marvel, which yeah. is obviously like something he's been ramping on and working on yeah. for. Tyker's obviously going to come out swinging with a Thor four. I mean, it is weird that the Guardian or Thor wasn't in this movie. Like, hmm. you assume there'll be like some kind of flashback. Tyker will wrap that up in a succinct way that is satisfying and worthwhile. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Maybe um, I'm actually on Counter Earth right now, where this is the actual uh, like sequence of events, and Alan Horn didn't fire James Gunn in in 2018 for <laughs> some some bad tweets, but definitely not. I tweets. don't love this thing that happens where people uncover stuff people tweeted like 12 years ago and are like you must be punished now like i'm not saying let him just like when it comes to light you're just like ah well but like don't fire him because he was he had a shitty sense of humor when he was like 10 years younger like he's he's a massive fucking edgelord he did a comedy series called pg porn in which they shot nails into people's heads like yeah Yeah. um, like like, being cringe is not a crime yeah um (laughs) i'm gonna give us some like seo juice right now um the best one of these to happen recently where they've dug up the old tweets is obviously travis kelsey Mm. well they're (laughs) all wholesome right they're all like so wholesome and he's obviously like not like the 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 sharpest tool in the shed. But oh no, he's a big old idiot. Like, it just blends idiot. this like nice level of like authenticity to it all, and it's just like really really sweet. And it's like okay, yeah. I can see why Taylor Swift was like, <laughs> yeah, this for now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we can't really ignore that, can we? That this was originally like the end of Guardians, but the beginning of Hey James Gunn, you're going to be in charge of an entire corner of our future plans. Maybe you'll have creative input in. The Eternals and the long rumored Nova thing, and you know, all these other characters and elements they're playing with. Maybe he's in the room for Captain Marvel sequels. Yeah, he's probably like doing Secret Invasion and Captain Marvel and yeah. Thor 4. Like, he's probably like, th- th- I think he was being set up to be Kevin Feige's replacement if Kevin Feige ever yeah. like, left the business, which and, was kind of like what it was. Ironically, he has been. I'm not naive enough to think that Marvel are like going to be packet, you know, closing the doors in the next few years, and that DC are going to be on this massive heater where it's just like giant hit after giant hit. But they sure do have a lot more positive momentum right now than Marvel do. I mean, do they? Oh well, in terms of like excite, I guess it's a very small like average people don't know shit about these like giant announcements he's made for his 
grand vision for the future but like those of us who feel the need to listen to much less make podcasts like this you know it's exciting to hear who he's casting as superman and lex oh, Luthor yeah. and yeah. superman legacy is shaping up to like be a really interesting project i think right now obviously there are some people who like think that james gunn is not kind of like the right level of whole serious enough and... well no not not serious enough like you know like he's not the level of like he's too jokey but in a way that that superman isn't jokey he's a little too, bit too cynical a little bit yeah. too yeah, yeah yeah maybe but like i think just the the way he's gone about announcing these projects slapping comic book like covers on the screen while talking about them putting them at the end of trailers and you know just hearing like damian wayne and and that certain iconic comics are being uh being looked to and stuff like that. and you know the way Marvel have treated comic book creators has not gotten any better. I mean, obviously, WBD, shittiest company in the world, maybe. <laughs> but it does seem they've said, hey, we'd like superheroes to be a big thing. Do what you want, James Gunn. And that could all change at any moment. Yeah, they've, but... they've let him do this thing. And obviously, we were coming at this from, like, I think, the kind of like 20, 2017 to 2021, there was a lot of like hope for what dc was going to be and there was a lot mm. of forward momentum there but like everything every movie they put out really since suicide squad mm. sorry the suicide squad yes, has you. been has been genuinely kind of terrible yep like shazam flash black adam obviously we don't know what aquaman 2 is going to be like but the fact the embargo is not up until almost like the day this episode is going to drop on the podcast is is not a good sign nope. for for what that movie is actually going to be like clips but, don't look great i mean it's sure i'll say again it looks really colorful and i'm sick of how many superhero movies are muddy and brown and, and ugly looking but being colorful and having yaya in the movie is not enough 2017 james gunn is like right i've wrapped on guardians 2 i've like sent a script over to marvel for what i think guardians 3 is going to be like mm-hmm. so at the end of the trilogy for this we're going to set up all this all this stuff that's going forward um it'll be the big may movie which makes so much more sense than when black widow kind of like moved into the may movie slot in yeah. 2020 yeah. and they they fire him they, they do. fire him he immediately basically signs on to direct the suicide squad for for dc and then i think has the, so much fun he makes peacemaker <laughs> yep and and then obviously then signs on to be the head of DC Films, yeah. but like they announce that he's going to be back for Guardians Three like the day after they announce that he's going to be on the Suicide Squad as well. So it's this kind of like back to back information that he's going to be doing both of these movies. And obviously he he t- tells Kevin Feige who again in the press it was announced that he was going to be running that side of yeah. Marvel was the cosmic side, and it probably is this thing, and it probably fucks Marvel over a little bit when right as they are being made to basically like quadruple the workflow for their content yeah um, yeah they go like, all in on disney plus they make too much they don't make it in a way that is sensible um you yeah know, we're, we've all you know all the rumors of they want to start using showrunners it's like fucking start like yeah <laughs> um you make yeah. eight ass television shows what do you mean start using yeah. But obviously they fire the guy who is probably going to at least help Kevin Feige run Mm. half of these things. You have to imagine would have been the point is that they would have had Kevin Feige would have been focusing on the kind of like the Avengers stuff and Mm -hmm. and James Gunn would have been doing the other stuff. And instead you spread Kevin Feige too thin and you end up with this world in which every project after that is 
goes into production after James Gunn is fired. I think, like, it's fair to say, because he is he is fired basically when Endgame was like wrapped. That movie is coming out within a year. Maybe they're doing pickups and stuff like that. But like every single project after that point has got a split focus. Mm-hmm. Kevin Feige on it, and yeah, the and they're all to some degree compromised. Even the good stuff has bad stuff in it, and like the the hits are fewer and further between. And like me being like, oh yeah, I like Doctor Strange too. Like I don't absolutely adore it, and it's also got a whole bunch of shit on either side of it that is real bad. And like they have made several things that are in contention for the worst things they've ever made. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. It's not great, Bob. Yeah, and and it feels like we maybe could have finished this cleanly as the podcast because I think we kind of like we did our all Marvel performances. We did it at the end of Phase Four last mm. year. Or this beginning of this year, wasn't it? We, well, we did those random episodes. Yeah, yeah, we did. Like the normal. Hi, by the way, we haven't made one of these in like nine months. The normal format after we decide, you know, it was originally Iron Man to the release of Infinity War, and then when Endgame was coming out, we did all the movies leading up to Endgame and Endgame, and then it was like, what do we do now? And it was decided at the beginning of each year we would cover all the movies from last year. So you'd get like five, six, seven, eight episodes at a time, once a year. We, quite frankly, couldn't face doing that with the 2023 projects because... I still have not seen the two TV shows. Mm-hmm. I've heard Loki is like good okay let's let's do it let's let's lightning round it like look we are not doing individual episodes for quantumania secret invasion loki season two or the marvels they're not happening i have seen all of these ben has seen the movies so i just the quickest of quick takes on all of them i think ant-man 3 is unfortunately like the best part of it is the part that nobody wants to be talking about ever again it's jonathan majors he's super good in it the movie in its ambition to go bigger like it doesn't quite get there and it feels like the peripheral cast and the like uprising element doesn't really land it feels like it needs to be trimmed down like a few funny moments like surprisingly isn't like limp and lifeless for a third ant-man movie but just like if you if you like wanted to skip 10 minute scenes at a time there's a good movie in there but it yeah obviously it is the sign of like terrible things for the entire business like the the cgi in it is truly one of the kind of like the big knocks against it and it isn't really an ant-man movie it's this weird kind of like compromised monster thing but Mm. i just think i think it's still not my least favourite thing that Marvel have done the last couple of years. I think no. the TV side is so much worse. I think Thor is worse. I think... It's it's um, one of those that... There are some of these where when I come out of them, I text you and I'm like, that was most of the way there. So not to say it, it, it was there, but it's like, I see your vision. You just didn't quite get there. Yeah. And yeah, but obviously it's, it's become the ultimate whipping boy for this year where I feel like Ant-Man and, yeah. the, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is like, oh, this is like the worst thing that Marvel have done. And, I'm yeah, like, no. <laughs> and like, you have that awkward thing where you're explicitly showing Majors is in Loki season two, which means Loki season two has filmed, so they can't do anything about it. The news breaks. You've done your big scene with the Council of Kangs explicitly setting up an Avengers movie. And now you're like, is he even coming back? And I think that results will be pending from his trial, which I think final testimony was given today um, when we record it. Uh, so we'll see if they end up firing him or not. But yeah, like I, I would favor Ant Man one because it's like a complete. It, it's not 
stellar, but it is like a complete little package. Like it is a movie. Um, yeah. And this, this is kind of like in an attempt to go big, it, it doesn't quite get there. Secret Invasion, you haven't seen. Uh, I would comfortably say it's the worst thing they've ever done. And I think I would include What If in that. Just Jesus. nothing could survive such a dramatic overhaul mid production. Like, Changing from a movie to a show, firing the creator, huge reshoots, like, all this shit. AI art in the opening, just nothing could stand up to that. And I don't know if there was ever anything good in here. Like, treating things like killing off Maria Hill as this enormous deal we should be sad about when Kobe Smulders... Like, I, I love her. Like, you know, I and it's a fun character to have someone for Nick Fury to talk to in Avengers 1, but... She pops up every two years to, like, say three lines. Like, that's not a character anyone's invested in. And also, wasn't the last time she appeared in the movies, she was a scroll at that point anyway? Uh, yes. Because <laughs> she's a scroll in Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes, that is true. Is it even her? You know, you've got stuff like Rhodey as a scroll, and it's like, Rhodey's acting so different. It's like... That doesn't mean anything. Rhodey's not a fucking character. He's like a guy for Tony Stark to beat up. Like... <laughs> He, like that means nothing it culminates in this giant awful looking superhero versus superhero fight where like they're all like it's super scrolls so they're like cycling through powers we've seen from the show so it's like oh and now they've got the effect of captain marvel and now they're doing a thing from uh, i can't even remember but like they're borrowing powers from different movies and it means nothing because it's an underbaked villain and an underbaked hero and i'm like Boy, imagine if Kamala temporarily had the powers of, like, all of her idols or something and how that would have landed compared to this. But, yeah, it's... I'm really glad Amelia Clark had fun. Uh, I really genuinely like one of the episodes. Um, even with how bad the rest of it is, I would still say, hey, that one episode? Pretty good. But, yeah, just completely compromised. God bless Sam Jackson. Uh, just putting up with Marvel bullshit for however long. Finally gets his own project, and it's this. You also haven't seen Loki season two. I think, despite not seeing it, you gave a take that I think is my prevailing one, which is as a complete two-season package, Loki's reputation will go down as a strong one. It ends really, really, really well. It very much loses its focus from episodes two to four. Change of creative team looks different. Jonathan Majors is all over it. They obviously had shot it. They didn't feel they could reshoot it. I would argue you could re, you could do a dramatic edit to sort of avoid having his forty-five minutes of Jonathan Majors like hamming it up, and you could probably have cut that down a bit, edited him into multiple episodes instead of like holding off until episode three, and then it's all him all the time. Like the acting is still good, but yeah, there's just a huge loss of focus, and like it it ends so well that you would almost forgive what happens along the way but boy do they need those showrunners and series bibles and everything because like legit there is a mo like i think most people watched episode two and were like did they accidentally upload episode three like what is happening right now <laughs> but no that's just how they intended to do it i do think you should watch it at some point I, it's on the list i'll probably get to it at some point it's just i think the end i've been quietly tinkering away on like other projects over the course of the year and uh just the tv side of like marvel kind of got in the way like I, obviously bojack was a 
<laughs> Bojack was a big commitment. Transformers was a big commitment. Yeah. I was watching Mindhunter. I've watched like a, a stupid amount of movies from the 2010s to finish that list. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where like it just never slotted into into the timeline. But yeah. I probably yeah. will probably will wrap that one up, especially because it feels like that is a project from this year that actually will hold some meaning over stuff going forward, especially with the fact that like yeah. Michael Waldron, even though he only wrote the first season, is is doing both of the Avengers movies at this point. Um yep. they're obviously and aren't there rumblings that they're gonna go to Benson and Moorhead to do Yes. Avengers four and five as well. I, th- uh, I, I think they might be their new I'm not saying they're the Russo brothers, but like I did Moon Knight, they did Loki. I think they're already attached to something else if it isn't Avengers. They're they're Daredevil. They're Daredevil. So they've been brought up to clean up Daredevil and like the reputation with the Russos and Marcus and McFeeler was kind of fix things. (laughs) So like, yeah, I could see it um, if they're trying to pivot away from Kang and into Doom and like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, We both saw the Marvels though. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. (laughs) I feel like it's one of those ones where like I... I gave it a lower score than Ant-Man for my sins, hmm. but it's a movie that I think is like, I'm more excited for the future of Marvel coming away from the Marvels than I am yep. from Ant-Man and the Wasp. It, and it, I just, it's it's just, it. Marvels feels compromised in a way that feels like they lost confidence in the project at some point and kind hmm. of like absolutely gutted it. And yeah, yeah like I can't. I, I'm loath to suggest they make a film longer because I always want them to be shorter. But like, it does feel like there's some missing material. Like, like they were told make this like a uh, hundred minutes at all costs, kind of thing. And they're like, okay. But it 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 feels to me like a bad movie from the era when they exclusively made good movies. Like, yeah, like the post credit scene is with with intent. It's like, hey, Kamala is recruiting Kate to form the Young Avengers, period. Not like we're going to dangle nine child characters across 12 projects over four years and like, ooh, is this the Young Avengers? No, this isn't it. This is like how they used to do these. And then a post credit scene that is like, or mid I, I forget how they all, ha- there was no end credit, there was a mid credit. Yes. With, 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 you know, oh, fucking Kelsey Grammer's here and, and like explicitly teasing what will happen in Avengers which I know that is still years away but it's better than like and now here's Harry Styles uh, <laughs> yeah and it's like Eternals 2? Maybe yeah. <laughs> no never never once yeah like I, I think again you, you're you very good at uh, succinctly saying what's wrong with things uh, it feels like there's a missing Captain Marvel 2 and this is Captain Marvel 3 um, yeah. where like I mean I've always been saying like you have this incredible actor in Lee Pace you have this character that, like, they gave him an intriguing elevator pitch of, like, he's a religious zealot who's broken away from being, like, the most venerated hero in the Kree Empire, and then nothing happens with him, and he's beaten, and then you bring him back for Captain Marvel, and you're like, ah, the era when he was beloved, this could be interesting, and then he's nothing in that, and then, like, he's just got, like, I, I was always, like, where Captain Marvel 2 should be what she did between Captain Marvel 1 and present day, and it should be her like driving Ronan mad and like making him leave the Cree and like the stuff with the villain who like you know everyone's beating the shit out of this as like oh one of the worst Marvel villains. I was like yeah she's not great, but like in a world where there's a Captain Marvel too and she's like a supporting character who is done dirty by accident by Carol, and then you're like genuinely sympathizing with her rather than relegating it to like a 
a flashback that is all original footage kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's also the first one of these which feels I, I don't know like where they are at in production of all of these different shows and stuff like that. And obviously Doctor Strange 2 has got strong ties to WandaVision, but this yeah. is the one where it's like WandaVision and Miss Marvel lead pretty directly into this and are like kind of mm. almost not I wouldn't maybe not required viewing, but there's definitely like stuff that just doesn't make any sense if you haven't seen either of those two things there's kamala's uh, whole supporting cast and yeah <laughs> and and then you also have the fact that this is kind of our first glimpse of what an incursion looks like as well yep and, yeah and, yeah and it's it's a sequel to doctor strange 2 and it's like okay so we it's tidying we started... up what they're trying to do going forward rather than just all these disparate projects that are just culminate they're capped off with just a celebrity cameo yeah and it's like okay this is what we are doing incursions other universe like yeah like, I, I, think, then, I think for its sins it's a compromised movie but a necessary movie because it kind of like clears yeah. up some stuff in terms of like what the future trajectory is going to be and mm. it kind of like it probably leads quite organically into what deadpool 3 is going to be <laughs> which i think is like a benefit to them yeah, and yeah. maybe tiona paris is going to be in deadpool 3 hanging out with like all these these X-Men characters because obviously we know that Deadpool 3 is going to be this this tribute to the to the Fox universe <laughs> Faggy's um, origins. Yes, uh, but also also <laughs> I just I just want to say like the treatment Marvel have had towards Nia DaCosta in the press has been mm, like downright disgusting. Absolutely. Like, just thrown under such a bus or not even thrown under a bus. They just whistled and looked the other way while the press shoved her under a bus like huh oh mm, weird like, where did she I, go I, I i had people like sending me articles beforehand of like the like the stuff like her taking on a new project how between... could she leave when post-production is still happening and it's like they flipped the release of her movies it was supposed to be out in the ant-man slot so like yep. if she'd signed on to do something because she thought she was going to be done with the movie by fucking she didn't bother going to the premiere she on her invited. birthday when she wasn't invited <laughs> like yeah um i like there is a real sense of like movement to some of the action i really like their chemistry like when they're practicing using the powers i'm like this is cool as fuck it just yeah it doesn't have quite enough juice but yeah like like i said this would be a very acceptable low point amidst really good movies back when they were firing on all cylinders whereas when everything is a bit shit there's obviously a lot less tolerance for uh this not being the bestest ever those are the 2023 projects and uh, smack in the middle of all of them was Guardians 3, which we will give the full treatment because, hey, that movie's good. Um, oh, it's, so, it, it's still in my like top 10-ish for the year. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's better than... Well, you know how I feel about two. I think it's better than one. I, it's my favourite of the Guardians movies. Yeah. And I know I'm like... I, I know there are people out there that are like, actually, I think this is the weakest one. Oof, um, what? I, I, but obviously, there's... There, I follow a lot of people who are like, Guardians 2 is the one, and... That's so strange to me. Um, well, I, the thing is, I think all of them, every single person who I know who is like a diehard Guardians 2 guy is someone who has lost a father or has a complicated relationship with their father, and I think there's something very strongly emotional about that in there and sadly i'm well adjusted with my relationship <laughs> with my father um so don't get the kind of like kicking the balls um that, that i mean and again i'm not 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 to downplay like people no 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 this this just it. in ben says suck a dick if you've got a bad relationship with your father got it never mind fair enough uh so yes this is uh this is our third guardians we will get into some you know 
a much deeper dive information, all this stuff, but loosely, Rocket is severely injured, and to save his life, they have to find his creator, and that leads them to uh, a place called Counter Earth, and the High Evolutionary, and just a planet full of hideous mutants who they must save, and like the group is kind of breaking up, and or it feels like they are, and it, it is just very much one last hurrah. Everybody loves each other again, but finds their own ending, and yeah, unbelievably, this movie ends with Star-Lord will return, but <laughs> we'll talk about that much later. So, Benjamin, we do a little segment called Comic Corner on this podcast, Something basically the only thing I remember about what we do on this podcast. You have many options here, as we have the debut, well, he sort of was debuting at the end of two but uh the, the big debut of adam warlock is quite a major marvel character uh you have the you know high evolutionary is a major villain so you do what you want to do yeah i mean let's do high evolutionary because he is the the villain of this movie and i feel like it's funnier to leave adam warlock to the very end because <laughs> uh just, they just kept on delaying his appearance over and over mm-hmm. again and i think some people were a little bit disappointed by his appearance in this movie just because I I I I, 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 I I think i'm in that camp but i'm disappointed i'm in that camp <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, I don't feel that way for the same reason. Like, I respect that you have to sometimes zag instead of zig, and, like, you have to subvert, and I think it is a funny take, and it is well-performed, but it is also, like, this is a huge character for Marvel, and you've kind of turned him into, like, a joke, and, like, that joke is a funny joke, but, like, and maybe this is only a joke because of how Guardian... I mean, I don't know how dramatically things change between him being fired and brought back, but in a world where he's doing a continuing cosmic universe, does he play him a little bit straighter? I don't know. But anyway, you talk to me about the High Evolutionary. Yeah, I mean, High Evolutionary is like a really weird one because he's one of those characters who kind of straddles like three or four different groups of characters, really. Because like, To me, he's always been an X-Men character. Yeah, so he starts... His first appearance is in The Mighty Thor 134, obviously created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Like, he's been here since the 1960s. I don't actually know what he did in his, like, first appearance. Like, I think he's got an army of minions and stuff like that, and then eventually, uh, I assume it would be Chris Claremont coming in and kind of, like, doing some stuff with him. Because, obviously... The- most famous version of the high evolutionary feel is the fact that he is uh, named Herbert Edgar Wyndham. He is uh, like from Wondergore, which is obviously where that like all kinds of X Men stuff goes on. Um, he's like uh, he worked, like worked with yeah, yes, like, like the, the, the birthplace of the twins and, and and like are they mutants? Are they not? Is all tied to him. There was an issue of the Uncanny Avengers, I believe it was, kind of like as Rigorenda was leaving the book. Uh, he he drops that they're not the biological children of Magneto, and that's when they're on the, like a Counter Earth type thing, fighting the High Evolutionary. At that point, he's tied to Mister Sinister in a lot of ways. I think Mister Sinister is like his inspiration for what he does with all of his like weird creations. And then obviously, because he's also in space, he like has uh, stuff with with hulk and stuff with like the infinity gems and with like galactus and he just he bums around and i feel Mm. like he is one of those characters who doesn't have that like definitive story like if you if you were to if you're doing one of those like here's a collection of high evolutionary stories that you need to read before (laughs) guardians of galaxy number three you'll 
like I don't actually know what we put out for this. Like what what are our the definitive high evolutionary stories? He's he just appears so often and he is like X-Men, the Fantastic Four, Thor, the Avengers, Guardians, like he's like their fourth villain on yeah. on a tier list and and that's kind of like what he's he's lumped into. They remember he exists Gun, every like 5 years. <laughs> and obviously Gunn has a good idea of what to do with him because high evolutionary someone who tinkers around with animals this ties pretty organically into like what we've set up with with rocket at this point but it's definitely it makes sense as a villain because he is tied to the cosmic stuff but it's like it's almost because you're kind of kneecapped because you can't do annihilus you can't do galactus like those are Mm. avengers level threats or like you need to build up something to this whereas the decision here is to kind of make it personal to rocket fundamentally and i think you know i think it works like i i am Huge Peacemaker fan. I love Chuck Woody uh, performance in that show. I think he's amazing in this movie. Um, I, I will very much be pushing for something later in the show, but yeah, and mm-hmm. we will talk about his performance. But yeah, I think they've taken a villain that, like, I think if you're like a big comic guy, it's like a name, but it's also, like you say, like he doesn't have that signature story. And I think this is kind of the height of the character for me now, this this movie. Okay. Um, uh, and, and then Adam Warlock, who has been <laughs> teased in Guardians 1 and Guardians 2. In Guardians 1, there is a shot of a cocoon, uh, which is what Adam Warlock is kind of like artificially born from in the comics, but they've mm-hmm. obviously had to retroactively have that not be his cocoon, and instead he is revealed in this, well, in the, at the end of the second movie, after they've like left Aisha, Aisha is kind of like incubating like basically like the perfect life form that that is of the the sovereign people yeah. and and that's that's kind of like the the post-credit tease which is why everyone was like oh adam Warlock's gonna be the main villain or or anti-hero of, of guardians 3 and he is to some extent but he isn't <laughs> really um but yeah adam warlock again another one who debuts in in like a stanley jack kirby book i think he is at first only referred to as him in yes. Fantastic Four 66 and 67. So again, kind of like early, like or not early, but kind of like the, the two books that, that Stanley and Jack Kirby are kind of working on, which is Thor and Fantastic Four, just pumping out here, like character after character after character that is going to have like a long-standing impact on the on the Marvel comics in general. Like almost every single idea that is still in play in Marvel has probably come from that kind of first 10 years of Marvel from those two two creators. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, at some point, Roy Thomas and Jim Starlin kind of like take over the character. Like, Roy Thomas and Jill Kane are the two that redesign him into his Adam Warlock in version after he is uh, after being created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. But uh, I think that's kind of like five years after the, the, the debut in Fantastic Four, and then Jim Starlin is kind of the one who picks mm-hmm. this up. And obviously, Jim Starlin is is most well known for kind of like he is the 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 co-creator of like Thanos and Drax and Gamora and Nebula and and all yeah. these characters. He is the the leading person on the Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War, and he he is like all about Thanos and being pursued by death, and yeah. ultimately. Adam Warlock and Thanos are like super super tied together yeah. in the in the comics like um Adam Warlock is the holder of the Soul Stone uh, an awful lot of the time he has an evil doppelganger called Magus um, yeah and then there's the third one the goddess i think it is yeah like yeah. adam warlock is kind of fucked and because jim starlin kind of like got his hands on it it's basically like there's this weird Jim Stalin verse version of the character, <laughs> which oh, there's that series of um, 
books that came out, I don't know, like 10 years ago, where it's like, Adam Warlock and Thanos are like outside of time, like commenting on the nature of the... It's it's actually pretty good, or the first one was, um, but it is all very trippy shit. Like, yeah, it's, it's just Jim Starlin was the guy who did this, and obviously at some point, like in the Annihilation era of Marvel, when they're building up the mm. uh, the Guardians team at this point, and you've got the... Um, yeah, Abner and, and Lanning. Yeah, yeah. Abner and Lanning are building up the, the stuff that is like what the basis of the comic books will be. Yep. That's when they kind of like steal a lot of these cosmic characters away from Jim Stalin and build a mm. bigger, deeper universe, which is what the movies are based <sighs> on. Boy, James Gunn building to an Annihilation movie would have been pretty fun, huh? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. But yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I see. Like, that's the thing is like. I would rather they had done that. Like, if we kind of like took to put mm-hmm. the brakes, well, I like, had the characters who like were space worthy, but no, instead we've got uh, yeah, Annihilation would have been great. Annihilation would have made great sense as like an Avengers movie, but with the mm-hmm. Guardians or whatever centered on them. But yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's complicated. And then we have Philavel, who oh. is was one of your ten characters who you wanted to see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe. Or yeah. On the list you wrote for the website. So. Yeah, I can't give you a coherent reason why, but I adore Phyla and I love Moondragon too. Like, they are a couple. They are on the Guardians teams in many of the books. They could never do Moondragon because, like... Yeah, so Drax was a human man and he had a daughter and Thanos killed them and then Drax was reborn by Thanos' grandfather, who's a titan called Kronos, maybe. Um, I forget now. And then his daughter actually survived and became a bald Martian, like, martial artist, psychic monk lady. And they don't have much of a relationship, but technically they are father and... Like, you can't do any of this. <laughs> like, Phyla's are like, a relatively recent creation. Like, yeah. I think, like, kind of, like, 20 years at this point she's been around, uh, created by Peter David and Paul as a setter. In the comic books, she's the daughter of Marvel, hence the Vel surname. <laughs> yes, um, Phyla yeah. Vel, Genus Vel. <laughs> this is all like deep comic bullshit that i'm not suggesting they adapt and like it's obviously an extremely different version in this movie because it's just a kid with silver hair but like adult phyla and moon dragon are just like really well-dressed cool lesbians that like just kick ass and are super powerful and i'm all about it i so. mean in a lot of ways it feels like moon dragon is like they basically combine the two of them together because a the moon like it's it's an interesting one but obviously like yeah uh, Phyla is kind of like more seen in the Captain Marvel books and then she gets rolled over into the Guardians of the Galaxy in the the Abner and Lanning era that we kind of like were speaking about just now but yeah like that's the thing is like there's a there's a lot of cosmic Marvel but cosmic Marvel does not coalesce into like a unified thing until the mid 2000s and we've, mm-hmm. we've discussed this like many many times over the course of like us doing cosmic Marvel but it is truly fascinating that like Annihilation begets Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy then basically means that Marvel has to go like oh shit we should actually like have this be a corner of the universe that we are supporting all the time and then that Um, leads to like seven different guardians of the galaxy number ones in 10 years yeah and captain marvel (laughs) being in that and then like just like venom will go do a space thing and Mm. uh, tony stark will go off into space for a bit and sleep with gamora because obviously yeah shadow cat will go off into space and be part of the guardians for a minute like just what characters can we throw into space to (laughs) to be interesting and all the rest of it and like obviously like most of it's decent is the 
yeah. the, like they reboot it all the time and it's frustrating but most of it is actually a fun read but the thing is like because it used to be the stuff they would adapt would always be galactus and the silver surfer it's like mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. it and even then it would be there's what like the 13 episode fox tv show that they did for silver surfer or whatever like it definitely yeah. wasn't that long a show but like that's that's as cosmic as they would get and then we've now had them do all this fucking weird stuff like high evolutionary Lavelle and uh, adam warlock in one movie is kind of nuts <laughs> like if you went to a comic fan in 2004 and said yeah the fourth highest grossing movie of 2023 is a movie that features those characters and they go like fuck off like yeah uh, that's not uh, a real thing no thank you for comic book corner it's always a pleasure uh, that's the last time and of course it ends on file of as i always knew it would when we started <laughs> this movie it it is very good I do think, I kind of respect that they bring back Aisha, they bring back, you know, with Warlock and everything, that they pay, because, like, poor Elizabeth Debicki, like, all golded up. I assume she's just shooting the crown, like, nearby, (laughs) and so they're able to grab her for, like, a day and stuff like that. But she's in it a surprising amount. She is, she is. I just, you know, it's an actress we both really love, and, like, she, I'm not saying she's fully done dirty in the second movie, but, like... There's kind of not enough room for her in the it's, movie. It's a weird one where she's cast too early in her <laughs> career for Guardians 2 to be a main thing, but like it's a fun little pop of a character. Yeah. And then by the time you get to this one, she's also too big to hang around unless you're basing the entire movie around her. But because yeah. they gave her kind of like a tossed off character last time you she's not really got the juice to kind of support a movie but like turning it into like i mean maybe that's how you end up with that take on warlock like her just being a frustrated mother kind of thing is a nice little thing but like yeah like warlock like laying waste to nowhere injuring rocket and then they try to use their space-aged revival tech, but it doesn't work because Rocket is like got like stuff in him to like protect the high kill- evolutionary's IP kind yeah, of. Yeah, there's a kill switch on his heart that means yeah. if anyone tries to like repair his heart or touch his heart or do anything to his heart, it basically causes him to go into like organ total shutdown or whatever. Yeah. And, and I so do they have- think they kind of push the limits of how long he's surviving in this state of like near death. And at some they- at one point he's being like picked up and dropped and stuff. <laughs> well, they do fairly early say he's got 48 hours, but obviously they then go on a, like a lot of adventure yeah, they between do. in that 48 hours where they go to like three different locations. But he is it's mostly all, it's, in It's a all bed. good stuff. Like I really 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 enjoy the Orgo Corp scenes where you get most of the cast of like counter to what Zachary Levi says. I think it's awesome that James Gunn puts his friends in all his movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a load of really fun stuff there with like the Power Rangers spacesuits and the the confusion with the communicators and like no, blue means talk to green. Green means talk to green. Yellow means, you know, like how was I supposed to know any of this? And then um, all the bits where like uh like Nathan Fillion yes. shows up and he's got like a a dopey <laughs> kid with him and they start like insulting Drax to his face. This movie's very mean to Drax. It's extremely mean to Drax. Like, the beat where they Mantis is, like, defending him in one moment of, like, he's the only one of you that doesn't hate themselves, and then switching to, yes, you're obviously really stupid, and then making him forget it all is, like, whoa. <laughs> Especially because, like, early on in the movie when, like, Mantis is like, no, I don't change people's emotions, and then Drax is like... <laughs> 
you made me fall in love with like a, a sock the other day and <laughs> Mantis is just like that was really funny <laughs> I think their take on Mantis throughout has been pretty cringe like I, I really do respect Pong Hong and TF like giving it her all but I think most of her dialogue is shit and like treating her like a puppy almost is, is or like a you know othering her to that degree is, is strange to me but like they do this whole Christmas special where they take Drax and Mantis who are like their least served characters like Drax huge breakout hit of the first movie does fuck all in the second one and they're like we're gonna give both of them a big adventure of their own in the Christmas special I think this movie serves them both better than that special does yeah <laughs> this special really is pointless and like even like they do the big reveal in the mo- in the Christmas special that like oh yeah Peter and Mantis are siblings means nothing in this movie. It's just casually thrown out as a line of dialogue. Well, I mean, it's also the fact that like Peter's got no powers anymore because they killed Yeah. They killed his dad, so he's just a, a human now. Like he doesn't no. have any leftover celestial stuff inside him. Right. So quick tangent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Us? Come on. How do you feel about the last few years Marvel having a distinct Christmas offering? Between like, well, because you got Guardians Holiday Special last yeah. year. They had Hawkeye in twenty twenty one. They did, and then, and then this year they've got the the What If Christmas episode that is dropping <laughs> on like Christmas Eve and stuff like that. Obviously, it's scaled down every year. Where one mm-hmm. was like an entire Christmas themed TV show, one was a a thing that James Gunn kind of like knocked out because he just he he loves shooting stuff. Like I think that sure. is a, he is a man who cannot not be working and. Yeah. Uh, like the, the fact that like the strike ends of the actors, and then like the next day he's like, "Here are the cast of fucking Superman Legacy, all probably cast before the strike even started, but not able to be announced until after it's been resolved and whatnot." And then yeah, and then obviously there's a there's a diehard uh, like referencing with 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 John Favreau for sure. for what if this sure. year. Uh, like, how do you feel? Like, because like, it feels like it's a concerted effort for them to have a. I mean, the height of this pro- of this experiment is Iron Man three, obviously. Um, yes, and every they... everything is just paying off that. But no, I I get it. Like, you are a family friendly company. You are attached to Disney. There's a strong history of Christmas. Like, you have your influences that are very apparent. I thought Hawkeye being set at Christmas was lovely. I wish the Guardians Christmas special was anything whatsoever. You know what? I probably will watch all those What If episodes because I will be trapped with my family. My partner will be away. Like, I need to look at something. And if it's just being like, boy, What If is a dumbass show for 20, 25 minutes every day, fine. They got me, I guess. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the text because every time it seems to be like, like the, the, the juice of What If should be what if this thing happened slightly differently in the thing what if captain britain for oh sorry what if captain carter uh for the hydra smasher a question we've all wondered what does that fucking mean (laughs) (sighs) what if nebula joined the nova corps (laughs) what if peter quill attacked earth mightiest heroes i mean i I, just that one maybe maybe that one no but that's like an explicit follow-up to their like Captain Starlord, like T'Challa Starlord thing, where Peter Quill is visited at the end and he's like a down on his luck. They're just making sequels to the continuity they establish a what if, and that's fine, but don't keep calling it like none of these are what ifs. Like, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the best the best one is what if Kaori reshaped the world? Who's Kaori is, again? Uh, that's their new character that they've made specifically for what if, who is. Who is rep- representation for for native peoples? Sure. Um, and so, 
happy about that. But... Echo's there, though. And Echo's coming in the new year with Daredevil and Kingpin, and that's all. that all sounds great. So... <laughs> What if Hella found the Ten Rings? What if the Avengers <laughs> assembled in 1602? The question we've all been asking. I I know 1602 is like a well-regarded... That's what I mean. They're, I know they're trying to get to things they want to play with, and they're doing it in the clumsiest way possible with these awkward what-if... It doesn't matter. Right, I like that they do Christmas things in my in my response to what you asked. Cool, tick. Matt is a fan of everything they've done. What If is great. Guardians Holiday Special is great. Hawkeye yep. is great. All three of those things. I like that they are trying to make Christmas things. I'm not saying all the Christmas things they make are good. <laughs> um, Hawkeye is wonderful, though. So, I forget where we were. They do, they do start the movie with, like, Peter is, like, a complete fucking wreck. Nebula is having to, like carry him drunk which is a pretty fun scene do we feel that james gunn read a lot of saga and was like prince robot's pretty cool and then like designed (laughs) nebula's arm around that i feel like that was just nebula got her hands on tony stark tech because like because the jetpacks are also like the rescue jetpacks and all the rest of it aren't they that makes sense they bonded so a huge elephant in the room here is that this is the best chris pratt Star-Lord outing, easily. Mm. (laughs) And it's, like, come at a time when everyone's, like, done with Chris Pratt and, like, it does actually feel like his star is fading. I know he keeps mopping up these, like, animated roles, but, like, live-action Chris Pratt-verse seems to be on the downs. Okay. But... So the issue with Chris Pratt Mm -hmm. is he had his career kind of perfectly sorted when he's playing like Andy on Parks and Recreation but obviously he is he has proven that that is not what interests him anymore Mm -hmm. he got in shape he's been taking on leading men roles but like all of his leading men roles where he's still a little bit of an idiot where he's still channeling kind of like that Andy personality like Guardians of the Galaxy Lego movie those things work but it's when you have him be kind of like ultra competent action badass that you're like oh I'm not I'm not here for this, and that's. I where, just, like, I, I think it's like he just really bought into his own hype and like is very into being a big A-list Hollywood guy. Like, famously, Dave Bautista threatens to quit Guardians to defend James Gunn, and Chris Pratt is like, "Oh, I need Silent. to prey on this." Yeah, yeah and and, and, and and like we know he's a good act. Like we've seen him just act in like Moneyball and and Zero Dark Thirty and stuff like that. So I know he can act, and I'm willing to watch him act. I just don't like the Chris Pratt like extravaganza leading man. They're all kind of dickheads like parade. <laughs> like his Jennifer Lawrence movie where you could guess the twist from the from the trailer is like oh yeah yeah. I mean the Jennifer Lawrence movie is is. A real rough one like none of the jurassic worlds yeah um, i mean obviously they're obviously obviously hugely hugely successful like, i feel mm. like no one is coming away from them being like owen grady is like the fucking <laughs> fucking best character i've ever seen in my life and obviously, Fuck like, Ian Malcolm. <laughs> and, and now he is he is mario and he is garfield like i mean onward is a decent use of him mm-hmm. even if it feels like he's just chasing the lego movie and like nothing is going to be as good as the lego movie but uh, yeah like he is not Mario. He is not Garfield, but right. he is. He will forever be lumped in with that for yeah. for God knows how long. And it's mm. just like, I, but I, 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 I do think that like he, Peter is not the be all end all of this movie in a way that he is in the first two, and he kind of sinks into the ensemble a little bit more. Like yeah. he, he's obviously the stand, the one standing in the middle all the time and gets the big quip off and all of that. But like, it is much less this is the Star-Lord show featuring everyone else. And I know, ironically, we 
we awarded the Guardians as an ensemble um, for their work, and I do think they will play off each other very well. But I think him just sort of accepting his role within the larger cast and trusting in in performers Karen Gillan and and you know everyone else you've got here, I think it makes him a lot less obnoxious and a lot more palatable, which is crazy because his fucking arc in this movie is just being such an insult towards Gamora and being such an idiot. And he's like, you remember though. It's like, you know this is a different person. <laughs> like he's like, ah, oh, but if we just hang out a bit, she'll fall in love with me. And like it's it's remarkable they make that ending work where she is like Did she say like I bet we were pretty fun or something like yeah, that? She yeah, she said yeah. Uh, that's that's how she phrases. I mean I, the the fact that because I feel like the two things that James Gunn would have had to deal with if the movie had come out in 2020, like it was originally intended, would have been Thor and Gamora. I'm sure he would have come up with a more elegant way to get rid of Thor if he had to. I think I don't, he, he's always maintained that like Thor is never in his script whatsoever, <laughs> hasn't he? Very but, famously, in a way that super <laughs> undercut what they did there. <laughs> well, but like, if he had come out in May 2020, it would have been like, okay, what? when are you setting this movie is he actually like saying this is set I don't, yeah i don't know it's one of those things where like i'm really intrigued to know what the plan was and whether or not Feige was just let him get away with it and then thor four would have dealt with it but the gamora stuff is obviously not his choice no at all for what was supposed to happen at the end of infinity war and Endgame, well, and would, would not have killed her maybe yeah. would not have brought her back <laughs> like if he was gonna kill her, you know, like I like that she's got her own thing. Like the end of this movie isn't that she wants to stay with them or that she's fallen for Peter fresh over. That like for her, it's going back to the Ravagers found family she has there, and like they're all so happy to see her. It's like that's really nice as an ending for her. And he gives you just the right amount of like there is still that bond with the team yeah. where like she is adversarial to it like she she keeps on referring to rocket as like a squirrel or a badger <laughs> over the course of the entire movie and like she is getting so exasperated with the Groot stuff and obviously the Groot <laughs> stuff will will need a corner at the end just to kind of like discuss like what happens at the end there but she her getting so frustrated with Groot over the course of the entire movie where she's like i know that's what you're named <laughs> like <laughs> and like um, none of you're not like she thinks they're all playing a joke that they can understand her yeah. and stuff <laughs> And then, and then at the end, when she she hears Groot say what he needs to say, mm-hmm. he's one of those moments where it's like, oh, she she does have somewhere else to go now because she's not the same person, but she is still the she's still Gamora. She's just a Gamora who's gone like a different journey that led her to the Guardians, essentially. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I've made it perfectly clear across all the podcasts we do. I am a uh, nurture, not nature person. I think you are the product of who you are around, your circumstances, the family you find, that kind of thing. So I, I am a big supporter of like her being her own person here. And like, yeah, they still have, they do f- kind of slip into the dynamic they had back in, you know, with Argamora, as it were, over the course of the adventure. And it is cool seeing them all together. But like, it, it's kind of funny how dumb Peter is that he like genuinely can't accept that this is a different person. <laughs> And it just keeps, keeps trying that. And, like, him trying to, like, win her over from fresh and her just being, you're such an idiot, like, is, is all fun stuff. I do think they were going to contemplate pushing him off towards Nebula, but then I'm also like, don't do that to Nebula. <laughs> like, when she was like, you could be describing her or whatever. And then he, like, looks at her for a second. <laughs> and 
I like I say, like I I love all the Orgo Corp stuff. They got a lot of comedy out of that. They got a lot with like Nathan Fillion and 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 the the, the production design of weird space shit. And then we're off to. Well, I mean, it's also fun because like James Gunn is still throwing in a lot of like his his favorite people. Like obviously, like yeah. Daniela Melchior is in <laughs> all the Orgo Corp stuff, and obviously she was picked up from being in Suicide Squad as Ratcatcher Two. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the yeah. two is super important. So, two, I mean, well, Takuatiti otherwise. So mm-hmm. there's just it's it's fun where he obviously just keeps on like picking up cast members because obviously Chigudi like he's from. Uh, peacemaker isn't he like yep. that's that's where like they filmed peacemaker first and he's one of, i i i for my sins have not seen peacemaker. You, you should you should you should watch peacemaker and also peacemaker <laughs> it's good I, I don't know if i'd go as far as saying it's better than all of the marvel shows but it's certainly better than most of them <laughs> so like it's a real tv show it's, is it's, he is he a villain or a good guy in in that well that would be spoilers wouldn't it okay i didn't he, know he is their handler Right, okay. So you can interpret that however you want. So I guess um, I then ask the question, will he be back for season two? Is that also a spoiler? Yes, of course that's a spoiler. Asking if anyone other than Peacemaker himself will be back is a spoiler. No, he's very good in that show. He's very good in this movie. Do we talk about the whole controversy here that I think is a fake controversy for babies? Go on then. Okay, so we see, obviously, the many flashbacks to baby rocket who is cute as all fuck and his life as a lab experiment and yeah they caught some heat from certain people on like being like emotionally manipulative around animal cruelty and stuff like that and it's like he is a fucking villain and this stuff does happen in real life and they are all cgi animals like are we this kid glovesy about stuff is this the crowd who want no real world issues in any movies and demand they all be escapism. I don't think it's that, but I think there is a certain sect of people who are very much like a I don't want to see animals in this. Like I draw the line animal Mm. cruelty. Well, I mean, you know, I I object when there's you know, we gotta kill a dog dog in a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't love that. But like (sighs) I don't know, they're just they're like such over the top mutant creatures, like fucking Teeths and floor and Lila, obviously, and and you know you're playing two of them as outright comedy and I don't know, like yeah, it's sad, but it's not like I feel like it's such a like bad faith criticism. Um, I just I just think there's some people who they're expecting to see Guardians one and two like light and and funny and all the rest of it, and then instead what you get is this movie which is like thirty <laughs> percent the most ben, empowering shit ben, you've ever seen. Ben. I know you missed the first five minutes of Guardians 1, but that movie starts with fucking cancer. <laughs> like, and Guardians 2 is like all the stuff with his mother. And yeah, like those movies have always been full of really sad human shit. Um, this is true. This is very true. But I mean, there is something. Okay. I love, I love Floor. <laughs> floor is amazing. Because but... I am on Floor. Because <laughs> Floor is. Floor is like a horrifying piece of character design. Oh yeah, like just just genuinely kind of like terrifying. And uh, have you read We Three? Uh, no, you've not. So We Three is a three issue comic book written by Grant Morrison uh, and uh, illustrated by Frank Quitely. Came out kind of like in two thousand four, I believe. It feels like James Gunn is like wholly adapting We Three, and I would not okay. be surprised if like that was on his mind as like one of the comic books that he's like looking at when he takes over the DC stuff. Cause like, but it's basically a comic book about 
a weapons program where they basically turn three animals into basically like robot killers and they manage to like break out mm-hmm. and it's basically this like a, a, a cat a rabbit and a dog that managed to escape from like these confines and are kind of like just trying to like live a life and all of the book is like narrated in their like kind of like animal speech but they can speak human so it's kind of like a little bit constrained like similar to how like floor speaks really where it's like the the only there's no pronouns there's only like names and uh-huh. stuff um <laughs> It's it's really really good. It's been kind of like retroactively accepted to be part of the Weapon X program because nice. obviously <laughs> Grant Morrison is the one who creates the idea that it's not Weapon X, it's Weapon Ten, and that's how Phantom yes. X is like part of all of this. And so basically, they're saying that like uh, We Three is actually Weapon Three, even though right. it's a it's a DC Vertigo book. And like <laughs> I think in Grant Morrison's X Men run, they say like the third Weapon program was like experimenting on animals and stuff like that and so like it's it's kind of unofficially a x-men book and would also 100 be something that james gunn has read yes. and i would heartily recommend in this like sub weird <laughs> not actually official kind of comic book corner but like yeah the, the dna is very much there for this this stuff okay it can't be official because it did have to end on filer but fair enough yeah like <laughs> It's sad that, like, his three closest friends die in his escape attempt. But, like, broadly, all them animals escape at the end. Rocket does rip High Evolutionary's face off. They do... Allegedly, he lives at the end, but they super kill him. (laughs) But, yeah, and yes, he calls himself Rocket Raccoon. I mean, him being so fucking smart as a little guy... And the thing is, he is just a little guy, then. Uh, <laughs> call that to a different podcast, then. Rocket Raccoon Bumblebee spin-off when? <laughs> I'd watch the shit out of that. There's just something so beautiful about the way they play High Evolutionary to be this just raging fucking psychopath. And he's so smart, and he so does not treat anyone as if they're a real person. And it's just sort of, like, very quick to, like... Like, there's no personal boundaries, there's no politeness, like, he's grabbing people by the hair and, and just all sorts of shit, and he's just talking to Rocket like he's sub like, dirt, less than everything, and then he's so infuriated that Rocket is smarter than him, and, like, yeah. it, it works so well, and he's so... I think he's so human in how evil he is, like, he's everyday human, he's like an obnoxious boss that is, you know, like, him putting his finger up and not acknowledging you, like... He's not Mahaha. I mean, he is Mahaha evil, but the reasons he is so evil are everyday, real, recognizable behaviors. And I think it's an excellent performance. And like, you super want to see this guy get fucked up. And like, that should be the that should be your goal of a villain. I think we get so caught up in sympathetic villains. Ultimately, you should want to see your heroes beat the shit out of your villain. And I did, and it was fun when they did do that. It was. <laughs> uh, speaking of excellent performances, yes. We need to talk about Bradley Cooper. And just, I mean, he is obviously at the moment being poised to be the villain of Oscar season because I think he is just so fucking desperate to win an Oscar for Maestro, whether or not that's for directing or acting. Um, uh, it's it's very blatant at this point. He's picked up Leo's uh, torch of, I will it, win this fucking I will Oscar. Win. He's, been, he's been nominated like seven times or something at this point. He's like never won. Undeserved. Uh, uh, I, I also have to say that some of his nominations are for being a producer on movies. Sure. Because I think like he gets like a Star is Born producer credit for the movie and okay. also American, okay. and American Sniper. So it's like his his Academy Award nominations are just very quickly 
Best Actor, Silver Linings Playbook. Best Supporting Actor, American Hustle. Best Picture and Best Actor for American Sniper. Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay for Star is Born. Best Picture for Joker. And Best Picture for Nightmare Alley. So he's been nominated more times for Picture than he has for Actor at this point. Did Joker get nominated for Best Picture? It did. Fuck me. I like that in this, like, maybe final podcast we're doing, we're just bringing in elements from all of our podcasts. So we're now in the There Will Be Movies corner as we talk <laughs> Oscars. My long list of, like, maybe I would have put Guardians 3 to be, like, a movie representing 2023 if we'd ever, maybe, we'd maybe. ever done that. Probably. I, I do long for a world where there were no rules so there will be movies and we started at the start and we finished at the end and we could pick anything we wanted and it would Yeah, been... and I would have made you watch uh Kills of La Moon for twenty twenty three. Not if like like we only get so many unchallenged picks. What if <laughs> if you know, like there's no way it would be one of your top eight movies by the end of the decade, surely. Well anyway. It was so fucking good in this. And obviously Sean Gunn uh, needs props for like his performance as like the baby rocket. Sure. Obviously he is also the, the motion capture. But I think this is like Bradley Cooper is doing like a fucking performance. It doesn't sound like Bradley Cooper. It's never sounded like No, Bradley I was Cooper. I was uh convinced that was not him as Baby Rocket, but it sure is. Yep. He's really good. All the baby rocket scenes, like for as sad as they are, they're also like really compelling. Edge of my seat through all of them waiting for the bad thing to happen i mean maybe that's part of why it doesn't upset me so much is that like every fucking rocket origin story is him falling in love with lila and lila dying like so i'm like oh hi lila you're super dead and like also obviously they die like these people are super important to him and he never talks about them so they must be dead but yeah no uh you are right bradley cooper is is really really good throughout yeah i had him on my supporting actor ballot like for most of the year i think he's still on there at this point Mm. i'm missing like one or two things but i just think it's i mean i I do love to do a a voice actor performance if i can get away with it uh in any given year and i just think bradley cooper has been such a boon to this franchise and like again someone who has like completely stayed out of the promotional limelight and i have to imagine that's part of why he keeps coming back and it's like i mean it's an easy gig for him right like but but the thing is it could be an easy gig he could completely phone it in no 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 i i i i'm not saying it's easy to i just mean it's low commitment but also enjoyable so like he gives it everything he's got and it's really good stuff but it's also not a demand to come to a set for 90 days and sit around in your trailer yeah he could do like chris pratt in mario where it's like (laughs) there's a little bit of an accent but like it's not really a performance in the same way that this is no and and yeah he's he's come back repeatedly and I, i i did think like do i want to go dig out and see whether or not like have the cast actually met and spent time together or is it really and must have I, I don't I don't know if Vin is there not or... like a is there not like a like a Jimmy Kimmel a, a Fallon where it's like the whole cast on the set. I mean, maybe, but like obviously, like there's a reason why Sean Gunn is on the poster for this movie, and it's because like he is on set all the time mm-hmm. doing the doing the rocket performance and stuff like but that. But they've so also he's... like grown Craglin into like this actually compelling character, and like I really like the Cosmo. Take that back. You say I'm good dog. <laughs> like it's fucking goofy as shit, but I really like it. Cosmo is a good dog, of course. Cosmo is a good dog at the end. Of the um day. so you know, they they go to Orgocorp, that's all slapstick and fun. I was convinced somebody would was going to die at Orgocorp. Like several times throughout the movie, I'm like, if this is the last time, you gotta kill some of these people, and it never quite happened. But um so you know, we we've talked about the high evolutionary, they go to counter Earth. Um I think 
The Needle Drop on We Care A Lot by Faith No More is the best one in any of these movies, which is wild because these movies are defined by their needle drops, but it fucking rips to play that song as they're landing and, like, looking around Counter-Earth, which is full of, like, meth dealers and just horror. No spoilers for what my favourite needle drop is in this movie. Uh, (laughs) Well, that scene rules. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the opening scene with Radiohead Creep. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, it also, you know, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, that that fight scene is incredible. I don't love that they break the rule of the era by doing Florence and the Machine, but that it's a nice song for that ending that they go for. He finally gets to use I Will Dare by The Replacements, which he Mm -hmm. wanted to use at the end of one. And, like, that was, like, for me, you, and seven people who were like, yes! And everyone's like, what is this song? Who are the replacements? I'm like, fuck you! Uh, anyway. Where do, where do you rank this in the Guardian soundtracks? Uh, better than two, easily. Although there are people who are like, two is stealth better than one. I mean, I'm a huge Faith No More fan. I mean, even this, like, pre-Who Faith No More actually were iteration with the different lead singer. Still love that song. I think this has, like, a lot of breadth, but then, like... It's really hard to fuck with like how big he made the songs in the first one feel. So I mean, obviously, I'd, we I'd, were we were working retail at that time. Well, yeah, and we, that we, CD was just everywhere. Yeah, like, yeah, could not escape it. I mean, I'm sure there are still people who do that job that we used to do, <laughs> uh, digging out that like Guardian soundtrack. Easy cause... one to throw on, and and yeah, maybe one, three, two, but like. This one feels more catered to what I'm into than the other. This is this is more our era, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's like this is this is kind of like nineties, early two thousands. Because obviously you've got like, do you realize? And as you said, like Florence mm. the Machine in there as well. Yeah, it's, it's always good. Like, should go without saying these are always good. Uh, so yeah, they arrive on Counter Earth. We have all this nonsense with like them trying to communicate with the like bat hybrid family we get our first f-bomb in any marvel movie yep, yep. any marvel movie and just, just get like... in the fucking car like it, it's actually pretty good like yep. i i don't want to be rewarding them for like just random swears but like i think the way it's deployed is like yeah no that's that's a good bit him being able to drive is wild uh <laughs> Like, has never spent time on Earth, but hey. Maybe his granddad, like, sat him in his lap and, like, showed him some stuff. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, he is from... What the fuck is he from? Missouri, I think. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that part of the country would do that. Yeah, like, I do think the whole, like... You know, they all drive off to the headquarters and, and, and try and get in, and then the people left behind go after... You know, you end up with these shenanigans where, like... They've boarded the ship to rescue them, and then they've come off the ship, and then Warlock attacks the ship, and it, yeah, I, th- I do think it's all it's all pretty fun. Yeah, Warlock coming back, Warlock adopting Blurp, you know, I guess it's cute, but you know, it's no baby Groot. It, it feels it feels weird for them to like. They obviously stack this movie with lots of cute stuff, and I wonder whether or not Blurp is like, oh, baby Rocket might be a bit gruesome for like the for like the pop vinyl yeah this Maybe is we... our like our, our, our mascot for this one that we're gonna sell all this uh merch for yeah like it, it, it's a pretty fun like location i like i like the set design on, on high evolutionary's ship his office i like them sneaking guns inside groot's chest cavity or whatever big shootout like everyone getting walled off from each other on the ship off the ship as i say when they fall out of that ship and then like land on 
somebody. They 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 survive that and then they die. It's like yeah. what? <laughs> like what are we doing here? It is long, but I think it's good all throughout. I think all of, I don't think any of these scenes outstay their welcome. Distinct locations that are well designed with good action and good little jokes peppered in throughout. Good character beats like Warlock kind of gradually converted to their side gamora like reluctantly saving rocket rocket back in the fray obviously yeah the no sleep till brooklyn like hallway thing. i mean that all comes after we've had the the stuff we talked about with like drax and mantis and the emotional side and the reveal with the kids that he yeah he's been trying to build like uber men they're really smart and efficient, but they they can't do anything. They have they have no creativity. They can replicate anything you show them, but they can't. Like they'd go and they'd go extinct because they like need instruction. Having Drax, I it's a really nice end for Drax, like who has just been exclusively this big dumb meathead character who the mileage really drops off after that first movie. The jokes for him just get worse and worse. I feel so bad for Dave Bautista, like putting all this makeup on. Especially for, like, Thor 4, where, like, you had to do the Thor thing. Chris Pratt just shows up and puts a jacket on or whatever. You know, like, fuck him. Um, but, like, they do the whole makeup for fucking Thor. And to have it end with, like, him getting through to the kids, being able to speak to the kids, entertaining the kids, like, his ultimate destination being a father, in as close to a nod as they can to his comic origins, uh, is fun. And it's like, a re- like, seeing him, like, fuck around and be a little fake monkey with the kids is, is like, really, really nice, I think. Yeah, we we get the big uh, no sleep till Brooklyn hallway fight, which completely I mean, I rips. Yeah, it's so good. And like I was watching this movie, and the camera is so kinetic in yeah. a way that I feel like a lot of these movies haven't been for a while. Like just in mm. comparison to like the Marvels, where there is some nice stuff with the camera in that and all the rest of it, but it, yep. it doesn't feel as confident mm-hmm. as this movie. Um, yeah, it's just a very tightly executed, like, you are forced to look at one character, but at any point you can look in the background, it's not like they're all just standing and taking a smoke break until the camera swings back to them, kind of thing. Absolutely, and there's so many of these things throughout the movie, like, early on, when Warlock kind of, like, shows up to, sorry, Adam Warlock, not Warlock, Warlock is a completely different character in the in mm. the Marvel Universe, and we should not confuse the two of them. Oh boy, that <laughs> would be a comic book corner and a half. <laughs> Uh, shame New Mutants didn't get to it, and we never did a New Mutants episode. Ah, well. um, Maybe Deadpool <laughs> yeah. 3 will have Warlock. God, imagine if we did. That would be great. Who would you cast as a Warlock? We can't do this, man. <laughs> I'm the one editing this one now, so yeah, I'm editing it myself. Sasha um, Baron Cohen. <laughs> oh, fuck you. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, no, it was early on when Warlock attacked. I did it again. Nowhere. Early on, when Adam Warlock attacks nowhere, there's just little things where like mm-hmm. everyone's coming out one by one, and I think like they they like punch him out a door, and the camera like does a three sixty spin to like show him like falling over backwards and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. there's points where like the, the camera like pivots around Drax to kind of like let him do like a running charge towards Adam Warlock, and it's just like those little things where like the camera is a kinetic piece of the universe, and obviously James Gunn had time, and the other huge thing like that cannot be underestimated is how good the CG is in this movie. Yeah. And I assume that's because James Gunn comes in here and goes like, you are not fucking... Well, with, I, we I guess I guess we haven't acknowledged that, that this is allegedly the first Lenovo movie where director gets final edit, or... or... You know, one of the only, I mean, maybe Favreau had it for Iron Man 1, I don't know. Yeah, we talk about it all the time that they are 
hesitant to use strong voices. They want to control everything. Feige is basically the lead writer and editor of all these movies. And then Gunn, uh, you know, the movies that are the best are the ones that have those voices. Like, it, it, you know, the the guns, the, the Kuglers, like, I'm not saying it's, like, the best movie in all of Marvel, but, like, even Doctor Strange 2, like, you feel the personality of Raimi in that movie. And Gunn allegedly having complete and total control of this movie and, and final edit and time to make sure these effects are right and as he wants them, you see it in the final product and it's like sure it makes 845 almost 846 million dollars off 250 so it's it's a hit but a softer hit but like it's 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 slightly lower than guardians 2 but more than guardians 1 it's still the fourth highest grossing movie of the year like it's only behind barbie it's only behind oppenheimer it's only behind the mario movie like it's like it's the most it's the most successful movie marvel have done since doctor strange 2 and even that one isn't as successful movie because it's so front-weighted because of all the hype around the spider-man stuff (laughs) like going into it yeah so but so like maybe not a huge 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 commercial hit but like still like the most unapologetically successful thing they've done probably since Endgame. Because, like, even yeah. with us raving about Loki, that is still a T... And, like, it is the most watched of their TV shows. It is still a TV show with fundamentally fewer eyeballs on it than their movies. Like, their movies are still what make money. TV doesn't make money. I, I have to assume, if this movie... It, obviously, we're going now into a fictional universe. If this movie had come <laughs> out in 2020 and there was no COVID... I think this movie does billion, billion and a half. Yeah, maybe. and especially like if China is still in play, you know, and like they're t- trying to win China back. It'll be very interesting what happens with Shang-Chi too when that has to roll around and maybe tests that relationship again. I just mean like it's so frustrating that they can't learn this lesson. But like you look at this and like, right, giving a strong creative voice power to like make the movie he wants to make results in something that is a hit and is liked and makes money do that again with more things and like they're they're talking the talk about yeah we're gonna hire these people but like i still am so dubious they will change how they make movies like they may change how they make tv and that's that is needed but like at the end of the day when they want to go get their billion two billion i think they're going to fall back on what they think is good for them yeah but i don't you look at who they're hiring as directors and Mm. i feel like they're just not they're not learning this lesson yeah, when yeah. Like, they're not picking people who have got kind of like people they can nurture and kind of like build into that thing where like obviously right. the Russos have proven to be kind of, I don't want to call them creatively bankrupt, but like definitely not the kind of like hot directors you'd want them to be after doing a bunch of movies that were huge commercial hits that like we like all of them, but obviously like yeah. there are people who don't like them, who don't like one of them or whatever, but they, Cher- they, they, Cherry they, and Grey Man are like not good. Yeah, no, they, they want reliable guys who will bang the Marvel drum, turn stuff in on time, put in the exact connective tissue they want. They don't want <laughs> James Gunn. Like, they say they do. Or, like, they only want it for, like, sub-franchises. They don't want it for, like, the mainline Avengers story. And, like, maybe yeah. it was just part of, like, we trust you so much, we're going to give you all of Cosmic Marvel. So, yeah, you can have fine let it. But, like, they know he's leaving, by the time this movie finally comes out, but maybe it's like a farewell gift from Feige, because like the word was Feige did not want to fire James Gunn and fought very hard to keep him. So like maybe as as a mayor culper is like, please come back, you can have final edit. And maybe it's just because of that, and it isn't actually a well-intentioned thing at all. <laughs> but yeah, but it's just, you look at who the next directors are, and like some of these people have done movies that I like. 
but it's like Sean Levy, Julius Owner, Matt Shackman, Jake Schreier, Jan Demang. Like it's Shackman getting Fantastic Four is like the biggest fucking fuck you. Like this should be huge. I'm. I obviously didn't think they would actually land Spielberg, but like to go from that to like yeah, you know the one division guy. And, and obviously he is he is a consummate professional in the TV world, but he it feels like they're doing what they did with doing with the Russos again, and it's yeah. like okay yeah fine like you've got a guy who's done like forty three episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, yeah. who has done Mad Men, who's done like Good Wife, who's done Game of Thrones, who's done The Boys and Succession. And... I've just you know I just I have talked a lot about how I think Fantastic Four needs to be given absolute A plus trick like all hands on deck make this huge. It doesn't scream. This is a very important project. Like they should get a director, people, and there aren't many of them in this modern world that like general audiences are excited that someone is directing a movie. But as close as you can pull off to that, would be a great sign that you're taking this very seriously. We shall see. I think it all looks great. The CGI, as you say, is great. Like we've got a lot of big wacky alien creatures. We have this giant scene of nowhere and the high evolutionaries base like docking. Cosmo holding it together and just an absolute Noah's Ark of a cavalcade of creatures sprinting across to be saved before the ship blows up. Very nice little scene. Just like seeing them all like charging through and like the the and also like Rocket finding the like twenty baby raccoons and then like crawling all over him is adorable as heck. Yeah, and they just kick the shit out of the high evolutionary. He, as I say, he allegedly survives that. But I, I love this because it's like the obviously they've just done the scene of like all the guardians kind of like fighting in the hallway with with yeah. Beast Boys in the background. But this one is like each of them come in and they're all here like to defend Rocket. And then you end with Gamora stabbing the high evolutionary, ripping his face off. And it does feel like <laughs> a here we go. The team's all back together. Here are the characters you love, and they're teaming up to save someone they love and are like connected to, and stuff like that. And it just feels like this great, mm-hmm. emotionally cathartic moment at the yeah. end of the movie. And then they Warlock saves Star Lord. They yeah, do. So they... This, this feels weird because obviously the movie yeah. hasn't been about Star Lord or Warlock up until this point, and to have it be Star Lord jumps between the two ships and they've had to like break apart because the whole ship is exploding. He went back for his uh, zoom, didn't he? He goes back for his zoom. He starts to to like die from exposure in mm-hmm. in the vacuum, and obviously it's it's sort of a callback to the first movie yep. when he like uh, sacrifices his his ability to save Gamora, and then and... Like, Yondu does it for him and too. Yeah, and exactly, and then it's like okay, but surely. I guess I guess it's just it's something that Gunn is putting into all three of these movies, but this is because it's the one that isn't about Star Lord, and <laughs> because it's not Gamora doing it in this moment, like yeah. it feels weird. Not that it's not nice, because again, like I mean, I, I really like performance of Will Poulter in this movie, yeah. But it 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 doesn't feel like like an earlier version of the script where maybe the movie was kind of more about the relationship between these two or something. Or yeah. I, I don't I don't know. It's like... Yeah, like you you you've taken a character that is very continuity plot heavy, very like comics of an era, big space Jesus. He's wacky as hell. He's got all the powers. He turns into an evil version of himself. All this stuff. And you've turned him into like a meathead who is is like dumber than rocks, like dumber than Drax. Like, they, they took him out of the oven too early. Is yes. basically like what it is. Like there's one moment where they're they're interrogating someone at Orgo Corp, and Aisha kind of goes like, "Show him we mean business," and, and he just, kills him. Just kills <laughs> just him. melts his face off, and he's a skull. Yeah, I mean that does give you the out that like he can with time become 
like the Adam Warlock we know because he obviously like learns to love like he, lo- he loses his mother he like helps them at the end here like they do the recreation of the what is that fucking painting called it's Michelangelo's the creation of Adam is thank the, you. Is thank the you, picture bro. that they recreate that's the cultured side of the podcast I thank you for that yes they recreate that as a little joke he joins the group hug he ends up on the final team at the end what you wanted to talk about Groot yeah. s- says English words he says he says I love you guys he does. Um, and which, the, the reason is so corny that I really love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really love it too. And obviously, everyone on Twitter was like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how, why are you doing this? How would you reveal at the last minute that Groot can speak English? Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And James Gunn had to like tweet and go like, no, the entire thing is supposed to be, you're, you're on the same journey of Gamora. You've now spent enough time and love Groot so much that you can hear him speak Mm-hmm. Like in the actual words that he's saying, he's not just saying I am Groot. You are you as an audience are part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I love it. Character. It's it's cheesy as fuck. I, I should hate it. I love it. It's really nice. And then there's a big dance party to Florence the Machine as yeah. like everyone. Right. So, how do you feel about the tonal control of this movie? Because I've seen some people really take issue with the way in which the movie is like unrelentingly bleak it's a movie about... i don't think it is i don't yeah, think it is at all like well, you obviously keep going to your flashbacks that are like okay here we go but like even in them there's sweet stuff there's funny stuff and i you know you've got all this shit with like them failing to communicate with a family of bat people and driving and everything with warlock and yeah i, I think there's plenty of levity in the movie i don't think it's bleak at all, really. I mean, you even, you know, you do the, the cliched, like, Rocket and Lila don't go into the light kind of, of scene, but, like, I think it's really, it's got plenty of levity and it's also, like, really just lovely. Like, there's so much heart and love between this group of people and, like, they are all healing together. Like, like Mantis fucking spells it out that they all hate each, they all hate themselves and they have come together because they're all broken and they've found each other. And they have all, to some degree, healed and found something new to go forward with at the end of this movie. And I, I reject the idea that it is a, a like maudlin or like like grim movie. Um, I, I think it's it's not so much that it's a grim movie. It's the fact that you go from these scenes of like harrowing terror. You go from a scene of we've ripped off the face of the high evolutionary, <laughs> and then t- five minutes later, there's a big dance party to Florence the Machine. Yeah. I can see the argument for why people think that there are odds to that, but I also think this has always been the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like yep. dance parties are obviously in the DNA of this, but also so is the kind of like the juggling of the very dark and the and the very jovial yeah like in the first one you have rocket talking about how he's a monster and shit like that and then you're straight into jokes like yeah i just think this has always been the deal that like they're funny but they're also human and real and with that has to come pain and and but with that comes triumph and like yeah rocket is like fully 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 at ease with himself he has excised this demon like they have kind of hashed it out a little bit amongst themselves drax has had this wonderful like moment with the kids peter is almost growing up like gamora goes back to the ravagers nebula decides like you know i'm basically gonna be the mayor of nowhere like rocket and Groot start a new guardians with craglin cosmo adam warlock phyla and blurp blurp's gotta be in there blurp's gotta be in there like i don't know how viable that is as a not guardians 4 but like 
hey, here's a space movie, and oh, here are the Guardians, kind of thing. And maybe that lineup is different than it was in a world where Gunn is actually pitching a next, you know, here are all the cosmic movies, like, is this the Guardians lineup? Maybe, maybe not. And Star-Lord, as I say, getting that, like, Peter Quill will return kind of thing, as he just goes and meets his grandfather. I don't know what that is. Is that a Star-Lord solo movie? Is Star-Lord, like, an Avenger? Like, truly do not know. I assume um, it's just Chris Pratt going like, I'm not ready. I'm not willing to give up another like big paycheck. That's what I mean with him being addicted to his fame. I think he wants his own send off on top of like the Guardians collectively, and he wants that one last big paycheck. Of the of the kind of the big three actors, I feel who have been with us for like more than ten years at this point, mm. like Pratt, Pratt, Jackson, and Hemsworth. Who do you think deserves like the the big send off next? So I, feel like, I feel like Jackson is like never actually going to get a proper big send off. No, like God bless just... him though. Like <laughs> he deserves one. Like he's been such a trooper for them. I never want Thor to truly go away. I know everyone's like just kill Thor, kill Thor, and it shows how powerful the villain is. And like obviously Thor four sucked, but like Kang can't kill fucking Thor. I don't and... think so. No, and like I. Just to me personally, those characters that are like supposed to be immortal, I like the idea of them always. It's fine for us to never see them again, but I want to know they are out there. Like, and I like the idea of Thor being the only surviving, you know, remaining Avenger, and he's surrounded by second generation heroes and people he's never met. And it's like there will always be Thor. You you need him here. He is in different iterations. But obviously, at some point, Hemsworth's going to stop doing these movies. So. <laughs> And he may have already, I don't know. I think they've said that Thor 5 is in, like, pre-production or something. With a different or, director. With a, but, like, they have different name take. I'm I only, don't know. I don't the know. The only way I'm interested in Thor 5 is if they get, like, Robert Eggers or something to do it. And they... <laughs> I have seen that a lot. Like, let's go super fucking Norse with it. Like, let, let's go, like, like, actual Vikings. I don't know. I mean, for me, still, if he talks about how he wants a challenge and how to change the character up, I still think the juice, even though you've done gore and you've done all of that stuff, the juice is still him playing Thor at three different ages and maybe they meet, maybe they don't, but like, yeah, challenge him to play an old weary King Thor and a young arrogant Thor and a like current mature Avenger Thor kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I feel Pratt deserves a giant send off like separate from the other Guardians. Like, no, it we, was we, always an ensemble. He was yeah. always like he's such a fucking idiot in Infinity War. Like, yeah, like he basically doomed the universe. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I I would like Jackson to get his flowers if he's done. Yeah. Anything else uh, before we we stop talking about Guardians Three? Any little uh, bits? No, no bits. The villain, good. I think. Goes without yeah, saying, yeah, even the secondary villain of Warlock, like as a physical challenge, is like, yeah, sure, he does kick the shit out of like, them. It's, like, it's obviously a long movie. It's like two and a half hours long, which puts up there with kind of like uh, everything apart from like Endgame in terms of like, longest movies that, that Marvel have ever done. But obviously, it's being well done because this is a huge ensemble. Yeah. Uh, it's also benefiting the fact that like there are scenes with the villain, with the heroes, and even though it's done in flashback, it like fleshes out the relationship. And mm-hmm. so when they finally take it down, there's like actual emotional catharsis there because Rocket has been running away from this guy his entire life. This isn't mm-hmm. like there. There are like I, it's weird because I feel like it's 
because it's so focused on the Guardians, it definitely isn't as like a this isn't a Thanos or Loki or or one no. of them, like the like the top three. But in terms of just what it means for the characters, this is just a super super well yeah like done villain. It's the best villain that Gunn has got done in all three of his movies. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's always for me been his weak point. I know like people like Ego, but like I do think they've got this weird thing going on where. They're really into super techie guys who basically have the powers of God, but it's like driven by their tech. Like Kang being able to like pin Scott to a wall with his. Kang and Kang and the High Evolutionary have the exact same power set. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like this is a bit awkward. I mean, I get it. Like you've done all of this, and now let's go to like crazy high technological stuff. But yeah, that that part is a bit. But he's like easily overpowered, so that's that's fine. Yeah, and I like that he's he's not like a giant we have to punch each other for 10 minutes kind of villain like they do just stomp him when it's time uh but yeah he, he's a real dick throughout he's the saddest little man he's powerful in the performance yeah third act good like one of the better ones i think yeah ends super well doesn't yeah just... like rocket rocket wakes up and then it's basically just kind of like a rolling action sequence everyone gets moments everyone gets like stuff yeah um not just a lame cgi overwrought scene that has got no weight to it and like whoever knows what they're trying to do at this point uh none of that like the scenes are all really good and fluid and and visually interesting and and emotional and fun yeah all good all marvel we we pick every one of these projects we pick is there someone here doing one of the best performances in all of the mcu if we feel somebody isn't we take that pick we put it in our pocket been doing this for many many episodes we even did a whole episode clarifying the most recent version i used to read it but i'm not doing that anymore um (laughs) but we're up to what are we up to like 40 we're up to 40 2023 gave us five projects i do want to acknowledge that as we gave werewolf by night its own episode and thus gave it a pick Technically, the Guardians holiday special should come with the same thing, so that would be six. I'd be willing to just forget I said any of that and take it yeah, back down like, to five. No, it's it's five, five for now, so it would be forty-five to kind of like finish off the list if we there were to go. write it. But I don't think either of us have got time. I'm for not. I'm, uh, I might write in yours, and I'll just <laughs> I'll do them all. <laughs> I think, it, like for me, with a bullet, Chuck Woody goes on as as the high evolutionary for this movie any objection from you on that no objection to me i think it's it's a super super wonderful kind of like uh villain performance that i think st- really stands out in the realm of it as we said like it's not quite on the level as like the, the all-time greats but like it's just really good and i don't think the movie works quite as well without that as a centering thing yep. really okay so that's one of five do you want to push for anyone else in this movie getting one of the remaining four um i mean i know you've always toyed with like spinning off the end of it because like right at the beginning we said the five guardians and then we for a while we were really into saldana getting her own and i know i hear what you are saying about cooper are you about to now pitch me on just spin them all off and all five of them i'm not about to pitch you on that what i'm about to pitch you on is we give the whole guardians team it for guardians three instead of guardians one oh okay and we expand um, and we expand it to include Kraglin. Oh and sure, oh Ebula sure, and and Cosmo. And Cosmo is a good, who's a good dog. I'd be down with that. 
Yeah, like, yeah. I, think, I think I think that is what we need to do now. Is like I think I think they're doing more capital A acting in this, and the first one was just an acknowledgement of like this was a huge risk. None of these actors are like huge names at the time. The live action people, at least, they're weird characters. It's not a known brand, and as a like five hander, they all nailed it, and they are a huge part of why it works along with Gun. But and no, it's, I, it's, I think it's they are like doing a nine hander at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're doing better acting. I think almost all of them. And like, is it the best they've served them as a collective? Like, yes, like, like everybody gets something. Yeah, I think yeah. not having, as you said, not having Pratt as the nominal lead of the movie benefits them hugely. Like, yeah. obviously, yeah. Rocket is the main character of this movie. This is Rocket's story. But having Rocket be out of commission for most of it lets everyone else kind of like have those moments to shine. I think I think that's that's the move I would make. Would be okay. Guardians replaces itself for Guardians One. Sure, uh, that does still leave four names. We could just pick two each unchallenged. On they go. Clap our hands off. We go. Obviously, so we've already done a man for Miss Marvel. I don't think she is better in the marvels than she is in oh sorry i probably should acknowledge uh yeah if we like run down those projects like i don't think majors is better in quantumania than he was in loki but he's all he's disqualified anyway so fuck him secret invasion absolutely nobody wouldn't even think about it (laughs) there's part of me that's like owen wilson is is super good in loki but like I don't think like Hiddleston's better. I don't, th- you know, I don't think any of the core cast are better. There's, ma- I could be talked into Owen Wilson for season two versus one. I, he's on my maybe pile. For me, in the Marvels, like I don't think anyone there is better than they've been before. No, not at all. Um, the only the only one there is like whether or not you'd want to to go to Paris to like end up on the all marvel list yeah like i so i may i've made a a maybe pile i mean there's been many maybe piles and i think for me i mean feel feel free to throw some names out but like people who just like have not gotten on and like maybe they should like brie larson kate blanchett daniel brule owen wilson Simulu, stanley tucci tiana paris wyatt russell I am quite interested in the idea of Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio as, like, legacy picks in the same way that the Spider-Man villains are kind of like, yeah, you did good work here, but this is largely for what you did 15 years earlier of what they did with Daredevil and Kingpin. I do think in his own right, Charlie Cox and She-Hulk is very good. Um, if we yes. were if we were forcing ourselves to acknowledge current projects, I probably wouldn't give Vincent D'Onofrio it for Hawkeye. It would be very much a for everything you have done as Fisk. So, like, my instinct is to go with those two. If I think we're... those. I think those two work. I mean, I'm okay. I'm going to throw out a name now, which mm-hmm. isn't on this list, and it might just be my like weird little thing and a movie that no one else is going to fucking recognize for a performance in this. I really like Corey Stoll. In Ant Man of the Wasp Quantumania. Do you really? I, I really, really like his little demented. I'm a dick. <laughs> it is really funny. Uh, I know some people really hate it, but. I'm yeah, like, that's the thing. And, I, and I think having it on the list is kind of like part of me is like, oh, people really don't like that movie. And this is kind of like a little middle <laughs> finger to them. Obviously, it looks awful with his like terrible, like stretched out face, yeah. but it's so much better and so much funnier than his performance in Ant Man yeah. 1. I like um, building off it and being like, "Oh, I always thought of you as like a, like a brother or a father," and they're just like, "What?" Because <laughs> it's like almost like the audience, like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Oh yeah, I guess I remember him. <laughs> yeah, I, if you want, 
<laughs> and then, then that, that leaves, leaves one. A, it leaves one, which, I mean, if you want to pick a one on that, like, who is, who I, is someone? I do think Owen Wilson is very good in both seasons of Loki. I don't know if I would, as the final one, go for him. Like, I kind of want to protect Brie Larson when she seems to be trying to exit Marvel because of how horrible people are to her. And, like, she's real good in Captain Marvel, I think. Not... We didn't reward it at the time, but I'm like, hey, that's a pretty big character, and you took that on admirably. I don't know. I really don't know. I whoever you want, really. Whoever uh, I want. I, I mean, mean I've Tucci got. She was my runner-up, I believe, last time we did the did this list. It's just always been on the maybe pile forever and ever and ever. And like, we are. I think one of the key tenets of this podcast is First Avenger is really good. Yeah, First um, Avenger is really good. I'd go for Tucci if you want. So Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, Corey Stahl. <laughs> And Stanley Tucci. Yeah. All right. Fuck it. It's the end of the podcast. It gives a shit. Yeah. Who gives a shit? You got you got to honor like Daredevil on Netflix, and I got to go for like two weird like character actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's very in line with like where our brains are at in terms of like the entire project. And there whatnot. you go. We finished the way we started. We are who we are. Being pretend- me being a pretentious asshole, <laughs> and you standing for Marvel Netflix. <laughs> me standing for just so much. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. As I've acknowledged there, this is going to be it for this podcast probably forever marvel would have to do significant things to turn their ship around to the point i would be interested in doing like an hour's worth of audio for every project they release again if they pull it off yeah maybe we'll be back i will probably continue to do marvel mondays on enterTheRealWorld.com, where i do reviews of their tv show episodes i won't be doing it for what if one a day can you imagine um, Christmas as well. Like. <laughs> yeah. I'll watch them. I'm not writing about them. Maybe I'll do one for the whole season. I'm not promising that. So yeah, this project is probably over. Like Mar- uh, Ben and Matt's marvelous journey. I think we've come to our end. Podcasting in general, like official attachment to the real world, podcasting is over. That is not to say Ben and I may never ever do podcasting again. It certainly won't be in 2024. Ben is getting married. With whoop, whoop. The- yes uh podcasting is a lot of work it's a lot of fun but it's also a lot of work it would be very nice to have a one-year break if not longer i have said already if we come back i would like it to be something we can kind of just do indefinitely um we do a lot of like cover everything in this franchise and then it hits an end and then it's like oh i guess like i would like us to invent our own version of like blank check or whatever the fuck it is where we can we can have themes we can have mini series within it but it's always this is what it is. Although to completely go against that, we've also talked about doing community, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> you want to do one episode per, which is like a four-year project. Yeah, 45 episodes, forty-five minute episodes as well, yeah. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. This is the last confirmed Ben and I podcast for the foreseeable future. We started with Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. That's how you came aboard the real world. And it's quite nice to finish on not just Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey, but like, talking about a good movie which we yeah. haven't done in quite a while so I mean, yeah. the last movie we talked about was bumblebee to be fair oh like uh, well i mean like talking about a good marvel movie oh yeah <laughs> sure, sure. I was just gonna say, the last movie we talked about on the podcast was bumblebee so, that's like, very yeah. funny that that's true awesome <laughs> <laughs> go to more and less than meets the eye uh which fulfilled many a uh, a creative dream for me as we got to talk to uh, the writer of those uh those comics that uh yeah 
big hero yeah, of mine. I think I think um, we'll, we'll both be hanging around doing various little bits and pieces. Like, I mean, yeah. I've got a top ten of twenty twenty three that will be dropping at some point in early January, but not attached to the real world. I haven't been given an official title for what the name of the new podcast that jerome is 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 setting up is going to be called but that will be plugged on the real world i'm sure as an initial thing but it's mm-hmm. a it's a complete spin-off with with jerome brian and kevin kind of like heading over that way mm-hmm. i will be doing some written stuff hopefully in 2024 yeah. for the real world uh, actually like not doing little tiny blurbs but actually like whole ass articles yeah um, I've been. I spent four years of my life watching like pretentious, uh, acclaimed movies, and I want to actually put some put some use to that. So that'll be coming at some point. It will be uh, a list, obviously, because uh, that's what get the clicks. Yeah, um, uh, talking about a fine films. Um, <laughs> yeah, fine films. Yeah. Uh, speaking, of Kevin Ford. I have always said uh, he and I have been talking about doing a Fantastic Four podcast since basically the second Marvel got the rights back, wherein. He is a huge Fantastic Four fan of comics. He has never seen any of those uh, movies, uh, the live-action ones before now. He would like to see a Marvel-done one, and the pitch would basically be he's going to see the others for the first time in the run-up to it, and I would basically be inflicting them upon him. So if he's still down, I'm still down. Whenever that movie's got a release date that they're actually going to stick to, we might do that for the real world, but... But, as I said, this is the end of our marvellous journey. It's been a ride. It got, le- it got less fun. <laughs> Basically, I mean, it's always fun talking to you. I think we had our fun with it. But it became it became more of a chore to like watch these things. I um, think the podcast got better when the quality It probably did. <laughs> it probably did. We got like, a lot better at podcasting in between. Um, I'm genuinely like really happy with stuff like our Loki episode, our WandaVision episode, our Moon Knight episode. I think yeah. are like some of the best things we've ever actually done as a podcasting duo. Yeah. But just so that's why like, I make jokes like let's go around again like now we're good at this let's go do Iron Man 1 again <laughs> like, I mean, obviously we like we straight up binned Black, the first Black Panther take and redid we did. Black Panther we did um, yeah that was weird wasn't it at one point these, these movies were like the biggest thing in the world and like I was obsessed with them living them breathing them talking them all the time and uh, bringing you aboard was was wonderful to get to do that and to get to podcast with you and thank you for pitching that as a thing that we did and for the last god six years of this seven? uh yeah we started it in 2018 so yeah so it's it's fuck me a, a long time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been a journey. The movies—they uh, were good, then they were not so good, and maybe they'll be good again. And if they are good enough, maybe we'll come back. But mm, probably not. <laughs> Much like <laughs> Guardians Three, it's not the end, but it probably is. <laughs> probably should have been. Probably should have been. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna stop ending the episode now and end the episode by saying thank you, Ben. Uh, not just for this episode, but for this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me along. It's genuinely been like a, a a lovely journey, and also kept me sane during some of the more stressful periods of yeah. <laughs> like having the structure of having to like watch a movie, edit an episode is like actually quite benefiting when you exist in a world in which time is unmoored. Mm, there is that for sure. I I am like I find it so like ugh, when we're doing it, and then like. I get a little bit itchy when I haven't had to edit anything in a while, and I'm like, oh, what is wrong with me? Anyway, that's for me to work out in therapy, but uh, <laughs> this has been Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. I have been vamping for time because I forgot what we say in the end, but now I've remembered Excelsior! Excelsior!